Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Writer's Corner live show. Here on the Writer's Corner live show, we connect authors to each other, and we help readers find new authors to love. Now, you probably already have your favorite type of book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, but you never know. We may always just introduce you to your new favorite genre to love or help you discover new books and authors that you don't know. On the show, we will you will meet seasoned as well as new authors. Some of our seasoned authors share their tips and tricks of how to get published right the first time, and you get to hear the backstory straight from the horse's mouth. So if you're just joining us, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brigetti Lambanda. I'm a global goodwill ambassador and a live streaming advocate who loves to help brands, entrepreneurs, and authors tell their stories and have a great online experience. My co-host Mary Elizabeth Jackson is an award-winning author of the Poolicious children's book series and she's unable to join us today. She'll be back again next week. So my amazing guest today is Rachel Klein. Rachel is the author of novels, What to Keep as well as My Liar, and has written for the New York Times, New York More, Self, and Tenaus magazines. She is a produced screen and television writer. For five years, she was a screenwriting instructor at the University of Southern California and has taught fiction writing at New York University, Eugene Lang College, and Sarah Lawrence College. She is a resident at Yaddo. I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly. I'll ask her just now. A fellow at Sewanee and a girls' right now mentor. She lives in Brooklyn, New York, a few blocks from where she grew up. So, Let's not waste any more time and bring on our featured author for today, Rachel Klein. Hi, Rachel. Hello. A huge, big welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great. I'm very happy to be here, and thank you for having me. It's a big, big pleasure. Very honored to have you as a guest. I always like to ask authors, what is it that got you into writing? Because we all have a story within us, but it isn't enough to get us to put pen to paper and become an author. What was it that drove you to feel so compelled that you wanted to become an author? Well, it's really been a lifelong ambition of mine. I mean, I think partly my mother was an author. Um, when I was a little girl, she was writing a book about the birth of quantum mechanics. And so I was very aware that something more important me, than me was happening in the other room. Um, and then I think I first realized the ambition to be a writer when I read Harriet the Spy, um, a you know, grade school book. And uh, the main character is a 10-year-old who keeps a notebook. And I sort of thought, oh, all, all those narrative thoughts in my head <laughs> actually be something. Um, it took me until I was 45 to actually attempt writing a novel. 
but it's been a lifelong goal. That is absolutely awesome. And who was your main supporter? Because, you know, when you're writing, it's quite an intense process and we all need some form of inspiration. Who was your main source of inspiration and someone that just kept you going in your journey? I believe that was me. Um, I, I have not had a mentor or, uh, you know, I, I, for a while I had an agent, a lovely woman named Nina Collins who sort of discovered me. Um, that happened in my late forties. Um, and she was enormously helpful and certainly I've, you know, there have been people along the way who have been, been dear and supportive, many, many people, but I never had that sort of one champion. And, and did you weigh up the pros and cons of self-publishing or did you immediately think, well, I just need to go to a publisher? Well, my first two novels were um, with a, a Random House, and uh, we never got, you know, they, they bought it pretty much overnight, and um, so the question never entered my mind. Um, my third novel, which just came out, um, ha I had a miserable time selling, never actually sold it in terms of money being exchanged, and um, I did seriously consider self-publishing and I will probably consider it even more seriously next time. Um, the, the world has changed so much. And I, you know, on this book, I wound up, uh, all the editorial work I paid for myself, all of the publicity I paid for myself and, and did myself, you know, I mean, I hired people, but it, it having a publisher isn't necessarily was that kind of, you know, I, I see a general sort of theme going through speaking to so many different authors. Was that a bit of a rude awakening um, when you got published and sort of realized, well, the fact that I have a publisher doesn't mean I can sit back and fold my arms and the money will just come rolling in? Certainly, it was a rude awakening and, and <laughs> it continues to be a rude awakening. I mean, I think the rudest awakening is that um, it's it can't be about money. You know, I mean, some people make money and that's fantastic, but it's very rare. So what would you say would should be your main driver when you decide to become an author? Because it's certainly not the money necessarily. I think it's got to be you have a story to tell. Or, you know, maybe you don't know when you start out what the whole story is, the beginning, middle, and end. Often I... Uh, lost you there for a second. Um, if you know that you have a voice in your head that tells stories, that then you are compelled to write. Right. No, absolutely. Now, your book, Question of Authority, is, is quite intriguing. Um, and the reason I say that is because very often you can grow up. I don't know. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a brother. Right. So very often, you, when you look at siblings, 
and you look at their stories and you look at how they grow up and if if they talk about the experience growing up, you sometimes wonder, did these people grow up in the same house? Right. Did they even have the same parents? Right. Because you experience life through your own eyes, through your, you know, your own experience and it depends on where in the food chain you were born. <laughs> you know, what was that period that you grew up with? Everything impacts on your story. And so here's now a story where it's yourself and a, a friend. Right. That went through an ex a joint kind of experience. How was how was that? Well, um, just to be clear, both the title of the book is "The Question Authority," not "A Question of Authority," which is just okay. to explain that um, there is a, a button that people in the U.S. wear called "Question Authority," and it's a command. It means you should question the people in authority because they may be leading you astray. As a young person, I had a teacher who wore this button, and I didn't understand that it was that question was a verb. I thought it was a noun, and I thought he was there. We saying, go. Fixed it. The question authority. That's correct. Thank right? you. That's correct. Yes. Um, I thought that his button meant that he was the authority on all questions and answers, um, and that misunderstanding is sort of um, a theme of the book. Uh, because it's about this this teacher's influence on the girls he taught. Um, also, just wanted to clarify, it's not me. <laughs> it's a narrator named Nora Bookbinder. Um, she she has some things in common with me, and many things not. Um, but so, I wanted to ask you. I always like to ask authors as well. Mm -hmm. um, is there any correlation between the character and you? Are, are there some of your traits in there that's kind of woven into the character? Certainly. I mean, I think I. I it took me ten years to write this book, not counting the first twenty, where I was just processing the experiences that I had in uh, seventh and eighth grade, and. The, um, the sort of eureka moment was when I started writing in my own voice. I had been writing the third person and I put my own voice into the character and suddenly I knew what I was doing. Um, so she certainly has that and she has some elements of my history. She has this teacher that I had who was sexually inappropriate with his students who were 13 and 14 at the time. And she has a former best friend who, from that time, who reappears in her life. This did not happen to me. Um, and she has a job in the bureaucracy of the New York City Department of Education, somewhat like the job I had 10 years ago, um, settling lawsuits. And that becomes the sort of, um, the motor of the book is the settlement of a lawsuit. So would you say that writing the book was some sort of therapy for you? Um, well, I, you know, I have a lot of therapy that I do um, and pay for. <laughs> so uh, in addition to that, uh, sure. I mean, I think writing is a therapeutic thing, I think a lot of, for me, my whole life, I and mean, going back to your first question, how I 
uh, understand the things that happened to me and how I want to deal with them and what I believe I often have to do by, by running it into writing. And so your journey as, as an author of this particular book, how did you find putting your thoughts together? Did you write when, as things, as you remembered things happening and then putting the story together? Um, or did you sort of do time blocking and decide, well, I'm going to now, you know, write, I'm going to spend the day writing? Or did you find you were better in the morning, afternoon, evening? How did you do it? Well, um, long ago, before this book, uh, I, I had a sort of revelation when I was uh, turning 40, I think, that I wanted to write a book, but no one was ever going to ask me to write a book. If I wanted to do it, I had to figure out how. And uh, I've always had a job, a nine-to-five job. Well, usually more than nine-to-five. Um, <laughs> and at the time, I'd, I'd been at the place I was working for a few years and, and had a good relationship with my employers. And I asked if I could come in late on Fridays. And I found that I could, if I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday mornings, it was enough momentum to to then take four days off and feel like I had something to come back to. So I, I do work in the morning. And I generally don't work for more than two hours at a sitting. Um, the first project I gave myself, I had been writing um, for film. And the first attempt to write a novel that I gave myself was I actually um, took a screenplay that I had written and turned it into a novel or fictionalized it. I didn't, it wasn't even a novel yet. I just, I knew I had a good character and I started just trying to turn that into prose. How was the writing experience different writing a novel from um, doing a, a movie screenplay? What's, what's Utterly the difference? Different. Um, well, a screenplay is really a product, and it's you start with structure. You start with, you know, beginning, middle, and end, and and story beats. You know, you have to sort of know what's going to happen all along. You need an a protagonist and an antagonist, and you know, it's it's dramatic structure. When I used to teach it, I used to make the students read uh, Aristotle's Poetics. Partly just so that they could say that they'd read Aristotle's Poetics, but also because it, it really is relevant still. Um, writing a novel, you know, the world is your oyster. You can do anything. It doesn't have to have a conventional plot, and it doesn't have to have conventional characters. I, I tend, the books I like to read are books that make you want to turn the pages. So I try to have a plot, but I never start. I always start thinking I know what the story is, but that never winds up being the finished product. Yeah. So for anyone that's, that wants, I mean, you've now had both experiences doing movies and writing a novel. So if anyone sort of thinks, well, I've written a novel, can I also do movie work? You know, is that possible? Do you have to have specific training to do that? I don't think you need specific training. Um, I do have a degree in screenwriting, um, and and you know it was a great experience, but I don't think I learned anything 
in that program that I couldn't have learned by reading a book. Uh, yeah. However, getting paid to do it is a whole other matter. I mean, I think that's <laughs> virtually impossible. So getting book to, back to the question mm -hmm. of authority, um, your characters in the book completely fictional or are they actually based on the characters in the story? Well, um, can I say both? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> um, they are completely fictional. I mean, I spent 10 years writing it. Uh, that was an act of imagination and, and considerable revision and study. Um, and they, the, certainly the character of the molesting teacher is very much based on the teacher I had in seventh and eighth grade. And the character of Beth, the best friend from childhood who returns, um, the the early there are flashbacks to the childhood, and those are very much based on my own memories. Um, the current envisionment of the character Beth is completely fictional because I don't know what happened to that girl that I was friends with. Yeah, and. Um do you hide anything in, in the book that people who don't know you well won't notice? Ask me that again in a different way. Is there, anything that you, is there anything that you hide in the story that only people that know you well would recognize? Huh. That's a very probably. Uh, <laughs> I know that in my first two books, um, there were, I didn't realize that I had put Beatle lyrics somewhere in the story <laughs> and, uh, uh, somebody <laughs> pointed that out to me. Uh, I don't think there's one in this book, but it, you know, who knows? Uh, there's certainly, the, the book is set in this neighborhood in Brooklyn where I now live and where I grew up. And so for anyone who's lived here or gone to school here or, um, so it resonates with the story. I think there's a lot of little, just little details. I mean, there's like, there's a character who's the guy who owns the pet food store down the street and he's a neighborhood fixture. Everybody who lives here and had, and he's been here for 30 years. Everybody knows him. There was even a little article about him in the New York times yesterday. And, um, so, you know, for people who know Sammy to encounter him in the book as a character is I think kind of fun. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when it came to editing your your book, mm -hmm. did you have a hard time choosing an editor? And how did your relationship with the editor go? Because I know some people get along well with the editors and some people have a love-hate relationship with the editor. Um, I'm always so grateful for any editorial feedback. Um, I've never hated an editor. <laughs> I've only... <laughs> been grateful but uh i you know i i in the course of those 10 years i hired many editors uh, probably three or four and learned different things from each of them um on my first two books with the conventional publisher i had a real editor you know someone who stayed for the life of the book and read multiple drafts and you know that that's the greatest thing 
a writer can have. And it's a tragedy that it's not really even done by the conventional houses anymore. I don't, you know, unless you're at the top of their list. Yeah. 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 Rachel, hindsight's always a great thing. If you look at what you've accomplished now, do you wish you started to write earlier in your life or do you feel you became an author at the right time? At the right time. I didn't have anything to say when I was 20. I wanted to be a writer then and I tried. I mean, I, I, I even did a, an independent study my last semester of college uh, to, be a, to become a writer. And, uh, you know, I just, I wasn't there yet. I think it took a lifetime. Well, yeah, the first. And your, and your writing style, um, do you write longhand? Do you write it down, you know, do you physically write? Or do you type on your computer or did you combine both? I've done all uh, in my life. You know, I'm old enough that I started with a manual typewriter. Um, but uh, for a long time, on screen, for writing screenplays, I always used a computer because of the format. You know, it's just so much easier. Um, and then when I started writing fiction, uh, I started actually writing longhand to some extent as a way to psych myself out, to not take it too seriously, you know, not to feel James Joyce hovering over me, but to just be like a little person writing in their notebook. And uh, then in recent years, I've, you know, my hands hurt, my wrists hurt, my back hurts. <laughs> So I've started, um, I write a first draft in longhand and then I dictate it into my phone, which sucks it into uh, notes, which I then email to myself so I can edit in uh, Word or uh, Bartle, what's it called, Scrivener. I've, I've not heard anyone do that before. And what was what was that like? Is there, are there a lot of errors or do you find it's pretty accurate? It's hilarious. <laughs> um, you know, some things it's a genius about, like it knows how to spell Beyonce without you telling it. Um, but things that are your own sort of more uh, idiosyncratic expressions, it's terrible at. Um, but that's okay because I would be, I, I'm using that first pass as a way to cut my own repetitions and lousy phrasing and, you know, I, the, I, I cut an enormous amount just in that first transition. Yeah. So now that you are an accomplished author, what would your advice be to someone who wants to start their first book? You got us just start. You can't wait for somebody to ask you. You can't wait till you're ready because you're never going to be ready because it's too intimidating. You just have to go. And um, I think many more of us have a book in us than necessarily commit to it. And, and the other thing is you have to accept that it's gonna take time and you have to revise. It's not gonna be one and done. Um, but if you come to enjoy that, um, it, it's very rewarding. Oh, wonderful. So where can people find your books? Well, um, they're all available on Amazon in one form or another. Uh, the first two are, you know, out of print, but 
can be had for a dollar. And uh, often in public libraries, uh, the newest one just came out in April. And um, so it's like $10 on Amazon, it's very affordable. And it's also in the US starting to be in libraries. If you are in the US, please go ask your public library to acquire one um, or your local bookseller. Uh, it's available through the normal channels that they order books from. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and a little bit about your book. Um, each week is such an adventure learning everyone's, because everyone's journey as an author is completely different. Yep. Um, my last question to you, what would be your advice to your younger self? Oh, sigh, sigh, sigh. Um, maybe stop waiting for somebody to give you permission because it's not going to happen and you don't need it. Wonderful. Rachel, thank you so much. It was awesome having you as a guest thank you. Um, today. And we hope you'll join us again sometime in the future. Great. Thanks so much, Virginia. Nice to meet you. It's big pleasure. Likewise. Bye. Bye, everyone. And thank you for joining us today.